Hey, everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with the latest episode of the Jungle Roar podcast, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official online wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Back here with James Rapine of allbengals.com, si.com, Locked On podcast, and anything else I'm forgetting. You don't know what today is. Today's the big release day. Enter the jungle. Oh, there we go. And wow, it's like I knew I was promoting you for something by having you on today. That That's right. That, why do you think I came on, Trags? It wasn't to help you. No, I'm just kidding. You have Every a big, season uh, in one book, Bengals history, Enter the Jungle. Tell us a little bit about it before we get going. So this was a, a huge, huge project where... I agreed with Lake Seven Creative, partnered with them. They've done a Bills book and a Vikings book, and they oh. wanted to do a Bengals book. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly the, to me, it's the perfect read for a Bengals fan, whether you're a newly minted Jamar Chase Joe Burrow fan and you're 12 years old, or you're 67 years old and you remember when the Bengals were founded in, in 1968, because it's quick, concise. Uh, professional photos throughout uh, for for every season, every starting lineup, statistics, all decade teams, which was fun because I was able to put those together. Love lists, love decade teams. It's it's really the perfect coffee table book for a Bengals fan. So if if anybody knows a Bengals fan that thinks, uh, you know, oh, you're looking for the the perfect gift, I think this is it. And you can get it, last thing, Trags, at CincinnatiBengalsBook.com. How hard was it to put together? It was challenging because I did a lot of the work this off season right after we had Quinn. And so newborn plus book writing, it just, it really meant no off season. That, that was the, you know, there was no off season. There was no break, but it's uh, it's really cool. I'm excited to see how, you know, see the way it turned out. And uh, you know, a lot of people from the editors to obviously the publisher, like Lake Seven Creative, a lot of people put in work, not just me, but uh, Dan Horde wrote the forward for me. And uh, even choice, that, I, I think he, I think he crushed it. So I, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it, and hopefully Bengals fans love it. It's Enter the Jungle. Who's the publisher, and how can they get it? Lake Seven Creative. You can go to CincinnatiBengalsBook.com or this Friday, if you're in Cincinnati, meet me at Holy Grail downtown on the banks. I was going to ask. That was my next question. And uh, yeah, we can have a few pops. And uh, talk Bengals before the home opener. And yeah, we can uh, maybe uh, give you a book or two on the way. All right, let's get on to the business of the National Football League. The biggest story everybody's talking about and is going to be talking about, I I think, this week in terms of the way it impacts the AFC and the rest of the National Football League is uh, the loss of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He, uh, it looks like, ruptured his Achilles, his left Achilles, Four plays into Monday night's game, and the Jets wound up miraculously winning that game 22-16 in overtime. Uh, Just a a, really a surreal football game when you look at it. But to lose Aaron Rodgers four plays into a season where the entire season was built around one guy, one quarterback. What was your first takeaway when you saw him go down? Uh, Hopefully it's just an ankle sprain. You know, we, we went through something similar with Joe Burrow, where you, right. you go through that mindset of what what happened? Did this really just happen? How serious is it? All of those things. And I didn't see his calf. 
reverberate essentially right. uh, initially. And so I'm like, oh, it's his ankle. They said it was his ankle. And then you get other angles 10, 15 minutes later. And it's like, oh no. And this, it's a nightmare and it sucks. Honestly, I was hoping the Jets were going to be really competitive that Aaron Rodgers was going to bounce back after last year and be MVP Aaron Rodgers because it would have been so good for the NFL. It would have been good for the AFC East. It would have been good for the AFC. And it, it would have just, it, it would have been a, a lot of fun. And I, I think that Jets roster is really good. We saw it after he went down. The fact that they were still able to win that game and the storyline is Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. And I know that the Jets offensive line isn't that good, but they are talented everywhere else. And so I, I still think they're going to be competitive and it's a damn shame because I think they would have had a real chance at making a run with Aaron Rodgers under center. How about Nathaniel Hackett? Now, the irony is uh, this is one of the, you know, storylines I thought that were very, very, it was very, very interesting. The way Nathaniel Hackett really kind of guarded Zach Wilson when he came into the game, didn't throw too much at him, kept the offense right around the line of scrimmage and didn't make it complicated. And the Jets and Hackett really bet on the fact that their defense could keep them close and then they mm -hmm. would get, you know, a break or two, which they did in the fourth quarter. And then you had Garrett Wilson make one of the most stunning red zone catches you'll ever see really mm -hmm. essentially darting the ball out of uh, sticking the ball out of uh, midair, collecting it and catching it for a touchdown to tie that game. And then, you know, Jets get the, the turnover, uh, go-ahead field goal, and then the Bills tie the game, force overtime uh, before the game-winning touchdown. It was, I thought, a really good job by Hackett of protecting Zach Wilson in that game. Exactly. And they have the horses to be able to do that. Brees Hall, woo-wee, no. looks great, was explosive. I think Dalvin Cook got what was there on his carries. And so you have that two-headed monster at running back. I, I really like Garrett Wilson. That catch was insane. Insane. And, and so I really, I do, I think they, they're going to be competitive. And if anything, and I'm not trying to overreact too much because we're going to talk about the Bengals and you don't want to overreact to them either, Right. but that's a bit concerning for the bills. That yes. game was just there. Yes. It was there for the taking, you, you know, you play mistake free and it's over. You win, even if it's ugly 13 to six, you probably win 13 to six. And instead, you know, you get the ball in overtime. You can't do anything with it. I, I think that the people that were saying that the Bills were going to underperform this season, and there were people out there saying that, they're feeling pretty good today. There, there you go. You raise your hand. And I so that I, that part is concerning. Of the two, obviously the Jets are in trouble without Aaron Rodgers. But man, if you're a Bills fan today, you can't feel good about where you're at. I told you after the season, I thought the Bills could take a step back that does that mean they're not a playoff team of course not but I just didn't feel good about what I saw toward the end of last season you know DeMar Hamlin injury aside I didn't like the way they were playing and you know even in that game against the Patriots where they had to really win to assure their seating in the AFC the playoff game against the Dolphins, they did not look great, and the Bengals completely exposed them in the divisional round in Buffalo on their home turf. I thought there were a lot of red flags, and Josh Allen, man, you, you've got to take care, better care of the ball. Four turnovers. I mean, granted, Joe Burrow turned the ball over five times last year against the Steelers at home, 
But if you're Joe, if you're a Josh Allen, you got to do a better job than that in a game that was there for the taking. Agreed. And it's just two different circumstances. Josh Allen's fully healthy, not coming off the appendicitis. He's right. not 30 pounds under his normal playing weight. And that wasn't what Burrow was by the time week one rolled around, but his strength certainly wasn't back. So there was there was reasons why he struggled against that Steelers defense. The other part of this is the Jets defense is really darn good. Very. I mean, whew, I saw us Gardner doing what he did, Whitehead with the three picks. And in one, in Josh Allen's defense, everyone's going to talk about the turnovers. The one was a punt where Whitehead probably shouldn't have caught it anyway because it gave him the ball at the five. Brees Hall flipped the field with an 82-yard run. But outside of, of that, yeah, it, it was it was a rough day for Allen. Obviously, the fumble. It just can't happen. I mean, that's that's all him fumbling that ball. And I know he got crushed. That's the other part of this. If you're Josh Allen, run out of bounds, slide. You don't have to take every hit. I know you're bigger and stronger than probably every other quarterback in the league. Slide once in a while. There was okay, a run that he made midway through the fourth quarter, and even Troy Aikman on the air was like, what are you doing, Josh? I mean, you want to make the play, but you got to protect yourself, and, and you got to last the whole season. Yes, and that's that's the part of this where, especially what happened to Rodgers, and I get it, Rodgers is older, he's not as physically imposing. It only takes one play, and so you, you got to play smart, and who, who knows, maybe this is the wake-up call Allen needs and is going to be just lights out from here on, but it's certainly something I'm going to be monitoring. Okay, let's put what Joe Burrow did on Sunday in perspective and what it means going forward in the rest of the AFC. Patrick Mahomes lost his first game. Justin Herbert lost his first game. And Josh Allen lost his first game. Not saying that Joe Burrow looked great by any means. He certainly did not. And he admitted as much after the game. There's no question. <laughs> to quote uh, Joe Burrow there, anybody who watched what we put out there knows it wasn't very good. So I expect Joe Burrow uh, to be better. But you and me were sitting next to each other. And I think we saw immediately that Burrow did not look comfortable. He did look rusty. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of uh, coaches, Zach and, and Brian, were like, wanted to poo-poo the fact that he was rusty. But uh, his throws were a little bit high. We saw that uh, early on to Irv Smith, tight end on the sideline throw. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was a throw to Jamar Chase that was a bit high. And yep. uh, it just did, to me, look like Joe Burrow needed at least that game to get his bearings. I think you're right. It's the the least accurate I've seen Joe Burrow in his career. Yes. And the Bengals, Zach Taylor on Monday said they left some opportunities out there. And I went back and watched, and I don't always do this, but I went back and watched. And every one-on-one -on -one that I saw, where it's T. Higgins one-on-one, -on -one, Jamar Chase one-on-one, -on -one, those are, anytime that's the case, the Bengals take it. It's just automatic. It's, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take the shot. Now there are, I'd say 98% of the time, there are situations where they don't and they take the easy play to get the first down or whatever the case is. But usually they're all in on the shot plays. And it's because Burrow is so accurate that one-on-one -on -one is not 50-50. And th these receivers are so talented that one-on-one -on -one is not 50-50. It's 75-25. And you take that all day long, especially with the chance that there's an explosive play. And so let's use the Grant Delpit pass deflection as the example. Yep. Great play by Delpit. It should have been a touchdown. 
T. Higgins barbecue chicken roasted Grant Delpit 101. They were even at the 20. And if Burrow puts it at either the front pylon or the back pylon, either one, I think T. Higgins catches it, breathe, just boom. It was a breeze. It would have been an easy touchdown. And instead, it is this contested, I have to flip, turn, and try to make a catch. And Delpit did make a good play. But that's just one of the many examples. Jamar Chase on his opportunities deep downfield. It, it was the same. One was out of bounds. The other Burrow went back shoulder when Chase, who it looked like did have the go route, kept running. So the, there's communication issues, but there was just accuracy issues. And that's not something we've seen from Burrow. So there's a lot of discourse anytime the Bengals offense struggles, offensive line, play calling, adjustments. I think they do need some answers and we can get into that from an offensive scheme perspective, but Burrow, no doubt about it, was as inaccurate as I've seen him. And you and I both know everyone's expecting him to bounce back starting this week. Yeah, I would expect that as well. A lot was made in game of him going to the going to the glove, then taking the glove off mm -hmm. in the rain. The elements absolutely impacted the passing game. They impacted it, the passing game both sides. Deshaun Watson looked horrible. I actually thought Deshaun Watson in some ways looked worse than Burrow. Uh, just throwing the ball i really do um and i don't know if you agree with me but um do you i get, I get your point he struggled no i don't but i i get it but i mean the browns were able to move the ball and a big reason why the bengals couldn't is because burrow was just off i i didn't see burrow missing open wide open receivers as badly now, now as that's Watson the point. did. that's my only point there it, is there weren't a bunch of guys running wide open right. there were guys that were open like the higgins deep ball like he's open and and Correct. that's got to be a touchdown but it's not like he had tyler boyd wide open over the middle of the field eight times and spiked it to him so i, I do get your point because that's what watson did multiple times yeah and, and my point about burrow and the glove is it looked like to me from the naked eye that joe burrow was struggling to get comfortable and we all know every nfl quarterback for them to reach their full potential and efficiency on the field, especially in the passing game, there has to be rhythm. There has to be confidence behind the offensive line uh, and there has to be comfort. And it just looked like Joe Burrow all day was not comfortable. He was not, he, he was uncomfortable. He was working with a resistance band on the sideline, which I think is yeah. interesting, uh, but really this game is summed up by the first play. And I was thinking about this on Sunday night. The first play, the Spangles new front offensive line and Burrow, it's a, an RPO. So has the option to hand it to Mixon. You could argue that he should have, because I think Mixon would be able to run for six, seven, eight yards on that first play if he hands it to him. But he has T Higgins wide open and Irv Smith Jr.'s late on his cut block attempt on Zedarius Smith. And Higgins is wide open. It should be an easy probably first down he probably catches it turns up field and gets to the uh the marker for a first down and he gets hit as he throws it gets deflected at the line and it's like oh this is the type of day it's going to be for this Bengals offense and and there was no easy completions like that like that should have been an easy completion there was no easy completion so look for that this week to try to get their pass first team everyone can say run the ball run the ball run the ball they're a pass first team they're going to want to get burrow into a rhythm early against a defense that had his number and had this offense's number a bit last season. I mean, 17 points in Baltimore, then you, you, you struggle a bit in that 
it, not a ton, but against backups, it's not like the offense lit the world on fire right. in that final game of the regular season. And then obviously you needed the, the Hubbard yard dash, the fumble in the jungle to secure it in the wild card round. So this offense, there's some questions about it and it starts with Burrow. They're going to have to answer them this week. He is James Rapine of allbengals.com and locked on Bengals podcast score early this nfl season with fanduel america's number one sports book because right now listen to this new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet that's a 150 dollar credit in bonus bets win or lose if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. One more time, that's FanDuel.com Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL back with James Rapine of locked on Bengals and all Bengals.com uh, part of the SI.com network. Uh, all right, James, how do the Bengals get their receivers open over the middle of the field? That's what I asked um, offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan on Monday. And he said he didn't think that the Browns were necessarily taking those looks away but he did say, and I found this interesting, that Burrow and the offense weren't necessarily looking in that direction. I think they've got to do a better job, one way of getting the offense on track this Sunday, do a better job of trying to find open spaces over the middle, because I thought there were plenty of them Sunday that weren't uh, really taken advantage of. Real quick, because we started the pod with it, uh, Aaron Rodgers, torn Achilles is confirmed. There we go. And, I appreciate and so, it. Brutal. Jeremy Fowler was the first to report it. That said, getting back to the Bengals. Yeah. You look at his passing chart. There was nothing over the middle. It was everything around the numbers, up the numbers. It was really weird, really weird. And I don't know if it was because the Browns were just saying, Hey, we're playing you one-on-one -on, -one on the outside and the Bengals take those. And it just didn't work. Right. It, it's, it's almost like, man, Steph Curry was over 12 from three. Well, it's Steph Curry you're not going to tell him not to take those shots. Oh, well, why didn't he work on a floater or try to get in the paint? Or it's Steph Curry. If he's open, he should take those shots. And so I wonder if it's just that, that the Browns, they good, looked at him. Good analogy, hey, as good as but, any, I've heard. Yeah, I, I just, I wonder if it is that. Because the, the shots were there. Like when I went back and watched this, I'm like, oh my God. If Chase is one-on-one, -on -one, you take that every time. If Higgins is one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, there was probably eight. He threw the ball 31 times eight to 10 one-on-one -on -one situations, at least where you would usually hit on the majority of those, at least half. And so that, that aspect of it, it's like, okay, was this just an off game? I, I don't want to torch the coaching staff, but here's the part of this where I do think the Bengals need to find answers if they're going to become an elite offense. And by an elite offense, I don't mean just in week seven, I mean, elite offense in January. And in February, which is their ultimate goal. And you've covered some elite offenses and, and, and the way they become that. And I don't think they've been that yet in the Joe Burrow era. Not elite. Very Not good. Not consistently explosive. Exactly. And that's what I, that's part of being elite, right? Is Because is, is, my expectations for this offense, they have the potential to be the best offense in the NFL. 
So what do you do when Joe Burrow is off? Not off like Sunday because that's such an outlier where he's just really, really Agreed. off. Agreed. But if he's a tad off, and, and this is the analogy I've been using, if Superman, if he goes into the phone booth to put on his Superman cape, and he comes out and for some reason on that Sunday or Monday or Thursday, he's still Clark Kent Saturday. God, the Bengals play every day this year. If he comes out of the phone booth and he's still Clark Kent, then what do you lean on? Is it Irv Smith Jr. over the middle to get him in, into a rhythm? Is it finding ways to get Tyler Boyd in space? Is it being creative with Jamar Chase? Like for the Chiefs, Obviously, we know it's Travis Kelsey when he's out there. For the Dolphins, we know it's Tyreek Hill uh, or Jalen Waddle. It's easy to say, all right, it's Jamar Chase or or T. Higgins. But if Burrow's off, how does this offense scheme easy throws? Not one-on-one right. goal balls that Burrow makes easy. I think that's that's one of the steps that they do need to figure out because he's going to have off days. Not like Sunday. Sunday is way worse than off day it's an historically bad performance for burrow it's not going to happen in really bad conditions i i don't want to sound like zach taylor here and you know try to offer up weather as an excuse because fans hate that they absolutely despise weather being used as an excuse but zach taylor is right it absolutely impacted the game and it was raining more on the field than we could sense up in the press box James that's what I was surprised by on Monday when I heard uh, Zach Taylor say that that was the most significant rain game he's been in in the NFL Mm -hmm. in his 10 years I was like blown really and apparently on the field it was much worse well when you have conditions like that like you just said James you do have to find other ways to if it's going to be the pass game, it has to be the quick pass game. And it there you have to throw in cases like that, you have to take advantage of more open spaces. And what I didn't see on Sunday is the Bengals and Burrow targeting open spaces. That's what I did not see. Sure. I, I agree. I, I think that that's, that's the aspect of it where it's like, okay, where, and I'm sure they think they have some of that in the, the cupboard that they either didn't use or tried to use and it didn't work that that can get them through next time. But that's the part of it. That's the, the wake up call where let's say it's December 23rd, you're in Pittsburgh and Burroughs just to tick off. What do you do? Especially if the division's on the line and I'm not saying it will be, but it might be, let's say Cleveland's in town week 18 and the number one seeds on the line. And if you win, you get the number one seed over the chiefs, but Cleveland's an awful matchup and Burroughs a tick off again. How do you respond? How do you survive? How do you make it through? Great offenses still find a way to get to 20 points. And, and so that's the part of this. The defense did every, I mean, no question. two turnovers on the field a ton. This offense, even on their off days, should get to 20. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Looking ahead to the Baltimore Ravens, and I asked uh, Brian Callahan this also on Monday How are the Baltimore Ravens different than the Cleveland Browns? Well, he said, what was interesting to me is he said they're not quite as aggressive with uh, Mike McDonald, the uh, uh, defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens in his second year after Wink Martindale. Uh, It's a different defensive look that they'll give. But what he did say is they don't allow space. And I found that interesting because he said, The reason that's important is they get you to the ground immediately. 
when you get the ball, mm-hmm. you better have made your yards because you're not going to have a lot of yards after contact. Yeah, I think that's what they did last year. They kept everything in front of them. They tackled right away. They limited any big plays and they mucked it up enough. Like, you know, Roquan Smith is probably the second best linebacker in the NFL, like true middle linebacker. I think Fred Warner holds that title in most NFL circles, but right behind him to me is Roquan Smith. He's been such a game changer for that Ravens defense. He's all over like Jamar chase feels him and the running backs obviously feel him. And so this is a really good test because the Bengals, they didn't have pressure on them going into week one. I think the pressure was on the Browns just looking at both teams. Now the pressure is on the Bengals in this game. They're at home. The Ravens are beat up. It's against a defense that kind of had their number last year. Not always, but certainly had their number last year and was able to slow them down. It's no longer Don Wink Martindale. Don't give Joe Burrow a gold jacket yet. And that didn't obviously go well for for Wink. So will it uh, will it be that same type of of path for Burrow where he struggles against the Ravens a little bit and then figures it out, solves the riddle, and is able to hit the ground running here and in what's matchup number four against this defense? Yeah, and he's had a very checkered, uh, I would say, uneven career against the Ravens. He's had the remarkable 2021 year where he just absolutely devastated the Ravens defense and as you said probably cost Wink Martindale his job in part um, given the fact that the the Ravens were blown out so ceremoniously in those two games Um, but last year was a completely different story and I think it surprised a lot of Bengal fans the way the the Ravens played the Bengals last year defensively based on what happened in 2021. I agree with you. I, I think it was a surprise. And by the way, fourth matchup against this defensive coordinator, to be clear. That's what I mean by that. Obviously, he's yes, the Ravens more than four times. Three last year. Three last year, first this year. Yeah. Correct. And and that's the part of this where it's like, all right, Joe Burrow solves these riddles. Like, I don't think Cleveland confused him the other day, by the way. I just no. think that they're this unique team that can pressure and make you uncomfortable and also feel comfortable guarding your receivers one-on-one. Right. So they can blitz you because they can guard you one-on-one. Not many teams can do that. So with this Ravens defense, I, I, I'm really interested to see how Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Joe Burrow, what they put together. Because I, I almost expect a bounce back in maybe even in a big way. We'll see how if Marlon Humphrey plays. If he doesn't play, that's not your your classic Baltimore defense. Like I said, I have a lot of respect for Roquan Smith, but it's not like Calais Campbell is in the middle. You know, it's not prime brain and Williams. He's not there anymore. Five years ago, you'd say, man, they have horses. Right. You know, I, I think that, uh, that that this could be the time where the Bengals get going. And hopefully they do, because there's there's going to be a packed house at Paycor Stadium. And it, that's exciting for us. I know it's going to be exciting for the players as well. And the, this is more urgent than the Bengals 0-1 start last year, because that was in Dallas, not an AFC North game. You cannot go 0-2. Um, with a home loss to the Ravens, who would be two and zero if they win this game, you you can't do that. You absolutely, positively have to win this game. They did it last year, where they started zero and two, and then they won two. But then they started zero and two in the division by losing to Baltimore after dropping Week One to the Steelers, losing in Baltimore. And you're like, okay, well, there's no way they recover, and they did to win the division. But to your point. 
there's a reason no team has won the AFC North three straight years in a row. If you think you're going to just rally again and, oh, we did it last year, we can do it this year. No, that's not how it works. Eight-game winning streaks in the regular season are very tough to happen. They're very good teams, Super Bowl champs, that never get close to an eight-game winning streak. And so the Bengals did it, including the playoffs, 10-game winning streak. Can't bank on that happening again this year. They got to get to one and one. I don't want to call it a must win because it's only week two. But if you're the Bengals and you're thinking number one seed in the AFC, you're thinking winning the AFC North for a third straight year and the first team to do That's that. Correct. Sunday's a game you, you, you really have. need to get. Yes. You, you, you got to have this. If, if that's your aspiration. And I think the Bengals made it clear after what happened in Kansas City last year, uh, and you're not going to win back-to-back road AFC title games uh, in Kansas City. You want that game. You want to get the AFC championship if you're so fortunate to get to that level. You want it in your building. And Sunday is a good first step uh, in that direction. I want to get your, before we get back to uh, one more plug of your book, I want to get your thoughts on some rookies who I thought really were impressive and second-year players who were really impressive uh, on Sunday, we'll start with DJ Turner, who really helped take the load off Cheeto Awuzie because Awuzie was on a pitch count uh, coming off his ACL. He reminds me, and in the Bengals have taken a lot of first round corners over the years. And there were some, I don't even want to say whiffs because like Darquez Denard, Dre Kirkpatrick, they were decent players. William Jackson III had a really good second year. But when I think about what DJ Turner II has done, it reminds me of Jonathan Joseph Leon Hall. And mm. let's just go with Lee. Let's go with Leon Hall because Leon Hall is the Michigan man. And yep. I look at Turner, they moved him around. He played outside. He moved into the nickel and, and was, was guarding multiple different receivers. It's not like they were babying him and he looked the part he was tackling in space. I love what I'm seeing from him. I, I mean, really do you don't tracks. put a guy like good. I don't mean to cut you off there, but I'm going to, um, your you're gonna, if you're going to put a rookie on Amari Cooper, that tells me that Lou Anarumo has seen enough from DJ Turner, his speed, the way he uses his speed in game action to know he won't be overmatched. Yes, yeah. Cooper is going to catch a ball or two on him, but he's not going to be overmatched and he's not going to be beaten off off the snap. Yeah, I, I agree. i really impressed by him. Uh, I, I'll hit some other guys if, if you don't, or do you want to? Sure, go ahead. At, rattle them off. Zach, Zachary Carter. Certainly yep. think that he's taken a step he forward. He was number two impact, on my list. Impact on the ground is certainly standing out at number 95. And then let's just go to number 96, Cam Sample. I, I love what he's bringing. I mean, he made Deshaun Watson uncomfortable and, and certainly made an impact in the game as well. Uh, who else you got for me? Uh, Miles Murphy. I mean, I know he only got 13 snaps and he's still learning quite a bit, but he got 13 snaps Mm -hmm. and I, and I thought he comported himself pretty well out there on the field. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think this defensive line is deep and hopefully Osai can return this week and get Hubbard. And I know Hubbard said this on Monday, get him a breather, get Hendrickson a breather here and there, because those guys, when they're fresh, and it was hard to stay fresh in that game. But when they're fresh, they are a problem. Hubbard, great against the run, and he will certainly get after the quarterback. And we saw what Hendrickson can do getting after the quarterback on Sunday. A little bit surprised Chase Brown was inactive? 
Yeah, I lost uh, lost a friendly wager with Paul Daner Jr. Yes, I, I'm annoyed did. by it because I, honestly, that was a game where you want your second best runner, and and that was a running game. It was, and and uh, so we'll see. I, I think he's going to be active moving forward. I think they're going to realize that was a mistake because if if you give him six carries and Mixon gets four or five more carries, you might feel a little different on offense if you were able to keep that run game and sustain it. You got 60 seconds to plug your book one more time and tell people uh, how they can come out and meet the one and only James Rapine on Friday. It's called Enter the Jungle. Yeah, it's called Enter the Jungle. It is a season by season recount summary, whatever you want to say, of the Cincinnati Bengals. It includes all decade teams, professional photographs, statistics, starting lineups, depth charts uh, of, of each team. Uh, it was it's in depth, but it's a quick read. So yep. if your son or daughter yep. is nine and loves the Bengals, it's perfect for them. And if you're 92 and you want to read about the Bengals and remember the good old days, it's perfect for you too. I think it's a quick read, an easy read, informative, and uh, all of the big moments. By the way, Corey Dillon's rushing record, the Super Bowl teams, all highlighted. Marvin Lewis highlighted the, the classic wide receivers. There's a a lot of guys uh, and great players throughout this Bengals team's history and so they're all highlighted in the book and you can get it at cincinnatibenglesbook.com or on friday at holy grail banks 7 p.m i will be there i would love to meet you come out and uh let's have a toast and if you want a book you can get one of those too i hope you save one for me and, and personally autograph it for me you're going to do that i think i i'm willing to do that my man all right um he is like Jane- it's a burden <laughs> He is James Rapine of allbengals.com. Does an amazing job. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, SI.com and Locked On Podcast. Also, uh, he is now the author of Enter the Jungle. It's a book you can get at cincinnatibengalsbook.com. How about that? Yes. Did I get that right? There you You go. I paid attention, James. You are the best. Thanks for coming on and good luck with your book. Thanks, Trags. I appreciate you. All right. He is James Rapine. My name is Mike Petralia Trags, and this has been the Jungle Roar podcast brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Until next week, I'm Mike Petralia, and keep that jungle roaring.